Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Carice, and today I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Michelle Acorn to Raise the Line, who will help us take a global look at current trends and challenges in nursing from her perspective as chief nurse at the International Council of Nurses. Dr. Acorn has over 30 years of experience as a clinician, educator, and leader across multiple healthcare sectors and is registered duly as a primary healthcare and adult nurse practitioner. She also holds an international certification as a global nurse consultant, was inducted as an inaugural fellow of the Canadian Academy of Nursing, and as a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. Her scholarship has been included in textbooks, peer-reviewed articles, evidence-informed toolkits, and quality improvement initiatives, and we're very happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to connect with you uh, today, Michael. I'm coming to you from Lindsay, Ontario, just recently returning from our headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. And I would also like to respectfully acknowledge that we're situated on Mississauga lands and traditional territory covered by the Williams Treaty. I'm grateful for the opportunity to live, work here, and thank the generations of people to take care of this land and strengthen our communities. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Because our audience tends to include a lot of younger folks, medical students, nursing students, early career professionals, we like to start by finding out more about our guests' own career journeys and what first got them interested in healthcare, and in your case, particularly nursing. Sure. I was destined to be a nurse from birth. <laughs> my mother named me after a nurse who made a significant impact on her in my life. Of interest, my daughter is a registered practical nurse and is also working uh, full-time and doing the registered nurse bridging program. I could be a contender of the poster nurse for continuing professional development across my career trajectory. My thirst to maximize my confidence and confidence, my compassion and collaboration is unquenchable. After becoming an experienced emergency registered nurse, it was a natural evolution to become a nurse practitioner and maximize my expertise and improve access to advanced primary health care, specifically the usual health promotion, disease prevention, and chronic disease management, regardless of the sectors or settings. I really wanted to work to the top of my scope as well as enjoying both autonomy and interprofessional collaboration as a clinician providing um, direct care. I created roles in the emergency department as a nurse practitioner and then as a hospitalist in geriatrics. And you might be interested to know, Michael and our listeners, that we innovated the very first nurse practitioner-led model of care as the most responsible provider from mission to discharge in terms of meeting population and organizational needs. I also evolved into a nurse practitioner because I really wanted to encapsulate and leverage my non-clinical dimensions of advanced practice that appealed to me, like building team capacity, advancing quality improvement, competency-based evidence-informed education and best practices and leadership opportunities. You may know I'm diploma to postdoctor prepared, and the more you learn, the more you realize you need to learn to improve quality care systems capacity, equity, and catapult our profession for really influence, impact, and value. Lastly, I completed my doctor of nursing practice and doctor of nurse practitioner. It was a family health 
in this practitioner program. And my rationale was to continue to build my knowledge base, widen my network and mentorship opportunities and embed myself in diverse opportunities that weren't available to me in one place for one employment or one organization. And the DMP really enabled me to enhance my credibility, legitimacy from the bedside to the boardroom, to the classroom, locally and globally. You know, on that last point, can you give me an example of that? I mean, because DNP for a lot of folks, they would see it as a newer credential, even though it's been around for a long time. So what did you sense in terms of how you were perceived in terms of that adding credibility? Well, it's interesting because the doctor, the title doctor is not protected. It's not well owned by one profession, but it does give you opportunities, for example, for scholarship opportunities if you want to become faculty, uh, for example. When you think about advancing the strategic directions for nursing and midwifery from a leadership perspective to get on the global stage, to lead high-functioning executive leadership positions, that is really important in terms of doctoral-level preparation. But what is more important and why I did the DMP specifically is I remain a clinician, I identify as a clinician, and it's still well doing leadership. So it makes me relevant and credible and relatable as well. And that's an interesting balance. You know, you have this, uh, we were talking before we started recording about the travel that you do and this uh, global perspective you have, but you're still grounded in practice, it sounds like. I do right now. I formerly was a government chief nursing officer and I worked at hospital base for almost 30 years and then I went into long-term care and retirement home life and then now actually I'm back into the community and I look after populations that are intersection with the law uh, and those that are exploited in terms of youth as well such as uh, human trafficking so I really believe health equity um, populations need our care and our expertise and I personally need that to keep my balance and and keep connected as well yeah that's critically important work so for folks who are not familiar tell us about ICN and then your specific role there sure thanks so ICN is the International Council of Nurses. We're a non-government organization, and we are actually 28 million nurses strong around the world, if you can believe it. Think about that number, 28 million nurses. This is a powerhouse of knowledge. I mentioned I transitioned into this role previously as a government chief nursing officer for three years, and I do bring greetings on behalf of our ICN board staff and are over 130 national nursing associations. So we're a federation of nursing associations across the world, if you can imagine, high, middle, and low-income countries, which is important to know. The associations, it could be regulators, it could be uh, labor unions, for example, as well. And I wish to also thank with deep appreciation our 28 million nurses around the world for their dedication, service, knowledge, expertise, care, compassion, and leadership. I think it's important to realize we pivoted across communities and populations during the waves of COVID to respond, stabilize, and rebuild a fit for purpose and more humane quality experience. And that's what ICN does. If you think about that, we are really about nursing health policy at the center of everything we do. We ensure that nurses have a voice in developing and implementing health policy 
fundamentally to ensure that we meet the real needs of patients, families, and communities around the world. If you think about strategic priorities, global health, nursing leadership, membership empowerment, and what looks like from a regulation stance, education stance, the socioeconomic welfare is, is critical as well. ICN does many things and we're many, many places, but we have all kinds of resources and education tools as well, but we really are the global voice of 28 million nurses. So it is important to connect, engage, be informed, and more importantly, disseminate knowledge and opportunities and forums like this to give nurses a voice on the world stage. So uh, kudos to you as well. So on having your voice at the table, how do you go about doing that? This is a topic that we also discussed with the previous guest, Dr. Elizabeth Iro, who's the chief nursing officer at the World Health Organization. And, you know, she believes, as you just said, that it's critical to have nurses at the table when responses to public health crises are being developed and in, in every other aspect of healthcare policy. So how do you, how do you do that? It makes me reflect, and I know probably many of the listeners as well, I think we need to be honest and have crucial conversations when the emotions are higher, but the stakes are higher. And that's actually the safety and protection of our public and our profession. There were pockets of enabling and empowering nursing opportunities worldwide, but it was made evident that nurses require better access to top-level policymaking, according to our national nursing associations, in a more deliberate, I would say, in an intentional effort by design and governance specifically, the pandemic raised the profile of nurses massively and really remains the nursing profession as the most trusted profession. And that has not been just because of COVID. This is longstanding. Nurses on the front lines of the pandemic were working to educate, research, prevent, treat, and care for patients with compassion, care, resilience, creativity, and leadership skills. Many of them tragically their lives faced violence and abuse and they continue sometimes to work without the adequate protection and without decent pay we must be their voice they've also been separated from their loved ones as well we need to really reset our health system and our societies to address these inequalities between different groups in the communities men women young old rich poor healthy and unhealthy different abilities minorities majorities, as well as the nursing profession. Over time, investments in healthcare brought forth dividends, but it should be seen as an investment for a future rather than a current cost. If societies really need to seriously look at the social determinants of health, including like poverty, education, employment, and strategies, we can actually make this more equal and fairer. The fundamental thing that the pandemic revealed specifically is that many of our health services are not fit for purpose and we really need a drastic reset and why we need our global voices, policies, practices, and possibilities. How are we ever going to deliver on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, Michael, for example? Nurses are catalysts. They can positively transform and advance global health. They can build strong healthcare systems. And we've seen evidence and understand the need for investment and protection. ICN closely works with our NNAs and partner organizations to amplify the voice of nurses specifically. Even recently at the World Health Assembly, ICN had a delegation in 2022 
and a high profile intervening in order to raise the noise of nursing voice and nursing presence. As we know, they play a vital role in the health of the nations. We have to make sure our voice is heard on the world stage. We know that whenever nurses are listened to in policymaking arenas, their sensible and effective decisions, their evidence informed and health outcomes improved. And as a global voice of nurses, ICN continues to listen to nurses and put their views forward advancing the global health agenda. You mentioned the UN there, and there were, you were just at the General Assembly meeting in New York in September. What, what was your agenda there, and what were your takeaways from the meeting? My agenda and my experience were two different things. Being in New York and navigating that and understanding what tables you need to be at was very helpful for me from a navigational lens. When you attend side events, for example, what purpose? Is it relationship building? Is it specifically contacting and connecting with people, for example, that drive investments from the World Bank, from the World Health Organization? Uh, who has the voice and who you can partner with as well? But it really is an example of further evidence of nurses at the top tables influencing global health policy. If we're going to raise our global nursing profile, we need to really spread, immerse, and scale that up, for example, with the World Health Organization and the UN as well. We raised awareness to health disparities, specifically with minority populations, Michael. If you think about optimizing and understanding informed health care between patients and providers, using communication strategies and supports and resources can really reduce language barriers and improve safety. Our health systems need resources to provide patient and people-centered and culturally appropriate care to our diverse populations that we serve. Healthcare systems really need to monitor our health disparities with minority groups and recognize trends and the disparities head on. We specifically call for nurses and other health professionals to reflect on also the ethical recruitment and retaining minorities into our profession and advancing more minority nurses into leadership position as well for diversity and inclusion. We need to walk the talk as well, and we need a diverse and inclusive health workforce to address the health inequities of our diverse patient population and our diverse nursing profession, I would add. Yeah, while we're on that topic of health disparities and diversity, talk about some initiatives that ICN is pursuing or what you're seeing happening around the world that you think is working? Yeah, that's a great, great uh, question and observation. The pandemic uh, continues to expose the real vulnerabilities in our health system, Michael, and we need to really respond to these emergencies and continue to respond to people's needs throughout life. I think we know the vulnerable populations affected during this period and the barriers to healthcare really have the potential to deepen the health inequities as well. ICN's vision for the future includes health systems that are sustainable, equitable, ethically based, and fit for our new future as well. We know the pandemic has increased inequalities and made us realize that the optimum levels of health can't be achieved without addressing other social issues such as the determinants of health, housing, education, employment, climate, nutrition as well. We will, when we work to eliminate the inequalities with race, gender, ethnicity, religion, for example, we lead better societies, we can reduce conflict and violence and everybody can live more peaceful and fulfilling lives. 
gender inequalities in healthcare is a significant thing that we need to tackle, such as biases and data gaps, access to care as part of our vision for future and an effective way to improve our society. We talked about achieving the SDGs by 2030, and we really need a more holistic preventative model as well. And uh, if we think about systems refocusing as a major role in creating health, we need to think about the systems and sectors and government and public working together to address these determinants and build on the conditions that people can be healthy throughout the life course. If you think about that, leadership for nurses will help to build sustainable climate resistant health systems for the future and reduce our health disparities and add value add, not just as clinicians, but as leaders as well and partners in our care and health of our profession for recruitment, retention, enjoying work. So I'm just wondering, you know, where you're encouraged. Are you optimistic in any of these areas that you're talking about, all of which are very important, that progress is, is being made? Or do you feel like, you know, you're really in the middle of a long slog and it's hard to see? if you're moving forward? I think the next pandemic is we're living through it. We've talked about COVID-19 being the pandemic. The pandemic right now is a health workforce shortage. And let's be realistic about that right now. I, I really believe we need to have those important conversations. And I've made it in my mantra as an intention to lead, not leave the profession right now, because we need people right now to continue on this journey together. I am encouraged. There's some significant dedication, such as the strategic directions for nursing and midwifery with all state members signing on to this for investing in leadership, education, for example, service delivery and jobs. But we need to hold everybody to task and we need to continue to work together in collective leadership, as I say, to ensure that we have the energy we are actually mentally and physically fit to continue to practice and address some of our trauma and resources that are very limited. Emergencies usually are short-lived. We're a couple of years into this. We were already at a health workforce shortage and we're sustaining this as well. And many uh, have been deployed or working in different situations. So I don't wanna point, paint a rosy picture, although I'm a positive person, I think we need to be a realistic and we are doing great things that nurses never, never have abandoned. We are always here for people. And, but as well as we're asking for help, we have cried out for help. We have asked for help. We have given evidence of the help that's needed. And if we don't do this together collectively to drive true investments in education, leadership, service delivery, and jobs and recognition by design, to involve nurses, to be the voice and inform on this. I think we're missing a huge opportunity for our whatever the new normal is in the future. Very well put. So speaking of education, we're a, a teaching company, as you know, we love to fill knowledge gaps. And one of our favorite questions for guests is, is there a topic, is there a knowledge gap, is there a myth, uh, something that you really wish people could understand, would know, particularly thinking of that med student audience and early career audience. And if you were to say, hey, osmosis, it would be great to have a video or a course on that topic, what would it be? I'm actually doing this in my, something similar, not a video, but I'm writing a paper about it because I think we need to check what our global nursing leadership literacy is. 
we tend to think the difference between being local or provincial or national to global and how you navigate that space and how do you maximize your influence and impact. So, for example, I'm writing about what our top global resources are that we're using and why. So it actually gives you the competence, the confidence, the evidence to be able to approach anybody and have your elevator speech or your latte chat, as I say it, and be able to deliver on what you want and what's most important. A lot of times too, even navigating professional space, uh, how do you know, for example, you're a member of ICN? People want to be involved in ICN as a global voice and reputation and, and the significance of our impact as a non-governmental organization. But for example, you need to be a, a member of the National Nursing Association. And then you need to, for example, you may be part of your provincial association. So you need to kind of understand about that. And the other thing I really found in my global literacy search is understanding the quads. And most people do not understand the quads. And if you think about this, to move forward policy and impact, you need the regulators who can do regulation and legislation. You need the educators to get curriculum or continuing professional development after them. You need the government, and specifically a government chief nursing officer and aligning with NGO chief nursing officers or system chief nursing officers. And then you need your National Nursing Association of Labour. So if you get everybody in the same room and on the same common agenda, can you imagine how you could move mountains? And we have great evidence of this in Mexicon in Africa. But when you think about who's doing things well, we have pockets of great best practices. But people, nurses specifically, to understand right at the beginning when you're graduating, you tend to focus as a clinician and patient, the safest patient care, but we also are all leaders informally as well, and maybe formally. And there's a difference between leadership and management. And I think that is sentinel when you think about the diversity and opportunity nursing presents. And I never dreamed that I would be where I am now. I never even contemplated something like this. And until you realize these possibilities are capable and within your reach or you create them more importantly, I think that's also important as well. Yeah, we hear that from, from so many guests in nursing. What an amazing career you can build in ways that you never expected. There's just so many different pathways uh, mm -hmm. that you can take. Mm -hmm. So as we're wrapping up here, what's your general advice to people starting out in a healthcare career about meeting the challenges, I mean, particularly of, of this moment, uh, as we're still battling through this pandemic, but just generally approaching their careers in healthcare. I mean, first of all, thank you for this exciting opportunity. And I do not regret it after almost <laughs> 35 years. This will really set you for life, to be honest with you. You have uh, invested in a wonderful career, and I thank you for that. And share your stories and exemplars as you move forward. I think that's really important. Don't underestimate the nursing power of the largest group of health professionals as a, a trusted collective health force. I think that's important. You can control your individual contributions, but how we really leverage the collection together is very powerful. Nurses are champions to address you know, response, recovery, building back a better system and sustaining nursing as a rewarding career. 
opportunity. As you evolve from novice to expert, as a clinician, as an educator, as a researcher, as a quality improver, you can do all those things as well. I guess I would um, issue an action challenge because uh, students like to have little points down that they're going to do and check off in their, their uh, <laughs> learning plans. But my first one would be get involved in your organizations, your school councils, you know, as I said, your professional organizations, and don't just join, be actively involved and engaged and understand the difference between local to global. You will think, think local at first, but start to think about global. That is powerful. For example, as we are getting our boosters for COVID, some countries have not even have access to vaccinations. Put some of these things in context wow. and the working conditions and industrial actions that are happening around the world. We're looking for fair pay and decent working conditions when some do not even have access to PPE or water to wash their hands properly. When you really think about the perspectives, I feel it's powerful. Secondly, you need to really showcase the meaning and value of our contributions as nurses. Make the invisible work that we do with the, your voices visible and vital. Don't break it down into task-oriented activities because our knowledge is vast and we should be able to articulate that in our rationale. Nurses invest in others. We need to invest in our own personal and professional wellness and bring joy into your practice and into your safety practices as well and a balance between your profession and your work life and your personal life as well. Those that know me know I work really hard but I also play really hard and we have a good balance as well so I think that's <laughs> important. Take time to reflect and do self-care and celebrate your valued contributions and do some career planning along the way. I would also save the date for our International Council of Nurses Congress in Montreal. It's in uh, July 1st to the 4th. And there is actually a student assembly just before Congress. And if you have any opportunity to attend Congress outside of the assembly, I would highly, highly encourage this because you're going to see truly global aspects of models of care, service delivery, you know, mental health investments and in true workforce considerations that will really inspire you as well. And I hope to see you in person and uh, thank you for your valued contributions. Get a mentor, get a couple of mentors, and then more importantly, pay it forward because once somebody actually mentors you or takes time, do the same for somebody else. Remember how you wanted to be treated and treat the others that way as well. Well, that is so much great food for thought. And I know our listeners are taking notes and taking pointers. And we really appreciate you coming on today and sharing all that with us. Well, thank you, Michael. And thank you on behalf of our, our nursing profession. And thank you for your trust. We've been talking to Dr. Michelle Acorn with ICN. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to strengthen the healthcare system and engage, as Dr. Acorn said. We're all in this together. Thanks very much. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. Mm -hmm.